Hey everyone, I'm Gabrielle Santiago and welcome to Living Revelations Podcast. We're here to help you find God real in everyday life. We will be talking about how to hear from God, how to have a relationship with Him, and what it looks like to walk into your God-given purpose as you do life with God. I want to invite you to take life a step at a time closer to Christ with us. This is Finding God Real in Everyday Life. Hey guys, this is Gabby. Thanks for tuning in. So today I wanted to talk to you all about the importance of seeing God's law as good. Many times when we think of God's law, our initial reaction isn't something enjoyable, right? Many times we think of like, oh, I have to follow God's word. I have to do this, I have to do that. It can, be, it can almost seem as if it's a list of to-do things or it's burdensome. But I want to encourage you, my prayer after listening to this is that you would see the wonderful things of his law that you would actually delight in his law and see the beauty of it. Because guys, the reality is God's law is meant to bless us and to also bless our relationships with others. It's meant for us to be able to see the fullness of God and to experience peace and joy within community. And so today I wanna take some time to talk about how the God's law from the Old Testament relates to our lives today. And when you read into the Old Testament, you can see that there are three types of laws. There were ceremonial laws, in regards to making yourself clean for priests and Levites. There was also civil laws that was more so in regards to laws between people relationships, right? Like what to do when someone steals, when someone um, murders, like all those different things. And then there was also moral laws, which is based on the Ten Commandments. So these three laws is what God had given Israel in the Old Testament. And the purpose of God giving his law was so that people could experience the fullness of the blessing with their relationship with God and within each other. And so today, his law still stands. The only difference is we don't need the ceremonial laws because Jesus died on the cross, right? He shed his blood for us so we no longer have to sacrifice animals. We no longer have to go in the tabernacle and do certain things because Jesus made the way. He tore the veil so that we can enter the most holy holies of places. Like when we read in the Old Testament of how only Moses was able to encounter God, we now get to encounter the God that Moses was with. And I pray that like, as you just take this in and, and realize the God that we speak, that we would have such reverence and awe of the Lord, right? That we would really uphold his law and see that this is a beautiful thing that we get to uphold to. And as you guys know, the 10 commandments was given for us to be able to have right standing with God. And many times I believe that in our, our time today, we tend to think like, oh, because Jesus came, you know, we no longer have to ab abide by the laws because we have God's grace. Well, of course, God's grace is there in case, you know, we fall. We know that we're covered by the blood. We're not like the moment we break a commandment. Now we have no more hope, right? Because Jesus came and died on the cross. Now when we break a commandment, when we sin, we can come to him with repentance. But the grace that God gave us wasn't the grace for us to fall into sin. It was the grace for us to actually uphold the law, to be able to uphold God's word because the Holy Spirit now lives in us. And so before I get into that, I want to first share the verse that Jesus says himself to the Pharisees who was trying to test him. It says here in Matthew 22 verses 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
So we can see from this passage here, Jesus is basically saying, summarizing all of the law in these two verses. Because if we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, automatically we are going to meet the Ten Commandments. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, there's no way that we would steal or commit adultery. And for the sake of us just talking about the Ten Commandments, let me actually read to you what the Ten Commandments are. It's in Exodus 20. So, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And I'm going to skip a little bit forward. Verse 12, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Jesus summarized it by saying that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and second, to love your neighbor as yourself. Because when we do those two very things, we automatically uphold the law. And so there, Jesus is already telling us that he came not to diminish the law, but so that we would be able to now uphold it in a way where it's pure in our hearts, right? It's no longer about just things to do, but we're doing these things out of a place of love. And I also want to read to you guys Romans 7. Romans 7 is so good. So Paul here in Romans 7 talks about the law and sin because many times people back in the day thought that because of grace, they can just keep on sinning. But Paul makes it so clear that we don't have grace to keep sinning. Paul, in fact, says in Romans 6, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And when you continue reading in Romans 6, Paul even says if Christ died, right, if he died and resurrected, he no longer can die again because he's resurrected. And so same thing with us, when we've died to sin, we no longer can go back to that. Now there may be times where we may fall, but we're going to go back up and that's why we have that conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it's so important, guys. I, I talk about this a lot, but don't neglect that conviction. Many times when we do make a mistake, we tend to want to like talk things out or reason or give a reason why we want to do what we want to do. But deep inside our hearts, we know that what we're doing is wrong. And it's so important, guys, that we hold on to truth, right? Because if we are not willing to hold on to truth, we're not going to be able to see God's full blessing in our lives. Like we can't even say that we're living by truth if truth is defined by what we want and desire. And so it's so important that we allow the Holy Spirit and God's word to bring conviction in areas that need to be convicted. Right? Like if you are currently right now having sex outside of marriage, it can be easy for you to, to contemplate or give reasons of why it's okay to do it. Or maybe you're in a place where you don't want to get married but you're still sleeping and living together. It could be easy for us to give reasons of why this is good, but honestly, we have to just be real with ourselves that we are not living according to God's true word. And we know that God knows best for us. And so it's so important that we stand firm in his law and in his word. And in Romans 7, this is the, um, the passage I wanted to read to you guys. In verses 7, it says, What shall we say then? 
is the law sinful? So Paul talks about this because we talk about how the law in the Old Testament, um, the law brought death, right? Because Jesus didn't die on the cross. No, but no matter what, without Jesus, we are not perfect enough, right? We, we still need the blood of Jesus to cover us. And so without Jesus, the law only would lead us to death. But it says here, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was, was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. So it's talking about how the law actually brings death because we can't fulfill the law. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. And so what Paul is saying here is that if the law is what brings us death, it means that the law is actually holy, right? Because we're actually dying because the law shows us our sin. And so when Jesus came, it wasn't like to wipe away the law because Jesus is holy. And so he encompasses the law of God. The law of God and the word of God is all Jesus. But because Jesus died on the cross for us, his blood now covers us so that when we do sin, we can be covered. Not just our transgressions, but even our iniquity. The fact that we were born in sin because when Adam and Eve sinned, automatically their offspring is also into sin. So we were all born into sin as well. And so the law is holy and it's good. So now I'm going to read verses 14 to 20. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. So Paul right there is talking about his flesh, guys. Like this is before Jesus lived in him. His flesh, like our flesh naturally wants to sin, right? That's what he was saying here. We know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. So without the Holy Spirit, we are slaves to sin. And verses um, here, I'm going to start in verse 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not know... For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So here Paul is talking about that the sin in ourself is what causes us to do the very thing that we aren't called to do. Verses 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against me, the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And so what Paul is saying here is that in his flesh, he is a slave to sin. But when he has died to his flesh and he is now raised up in Christ by the Holy Spirit, he now can actually live and uphold to the law, right? That's why it says in that last verse in verses 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus. So then I myself in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, am a slave to the law of sin. So he's saying here is that 
through Christ, he is a slave to God's law. He is a slave to righteousness. So guys, understand the, the reason why I'm bringing this up is to show you that Jesus didn't come to dismiss the law or to give us grace so that we can keep on sinning. He actually came to kill our flesh so that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live his law because his law is good. And ultimately, guys, that's the thing that we have to understand when we read the Ten Commandments. These are good things. Like automatically deep inside, like you know that stealing from someone is bad. You know that killing is bad. And so we have to make sure that we continue to stand by the word of God, that we don't dismiss the word of God because it is good. His law is beautiful. And in chapter Psalm 119, and I would encourage you just to read that whole chapter, but it talks about the beauty of God's law. And I love this verse here in verse 18. It says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And I pray that you would make this your prayer. God, help me open my eyes to see wonderful things in your law, that we wouldn't see God's laws burdensome, but that we would take delight that we would delight in the law because we know that God's law is for our good, right? Like many times the temptation that we experience is because we feel like what we, what we want to do is better than what God says. But when we really see that God's law is actually for our good and that we are going to regret by not following it, it will be so easy for us to be like, wow, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disobey God. I'm gonna continue to uphold him to his law. And so it's so important that we delight in his law. So don't just pray like, God, help me to do what's right. But pray and ask God to help you to delight in his law, to see God's law as good. In verses 13 and 16, it says, With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So here we can see that the psalmist here is meditating, right? He's speaking God's law, but not only that, he delights in his decrees and he says, I will not neglect your word. He's able to have a heart that does not want to forsake God's word because he delights in God's word. And he delights in God's word because he sees the goodness of God's word. In verses 20, he says, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Verses 24, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. We have to start seeing God's word as truth because guys, nowadays, if you ask advice from the world, they're going to tell you otherwise, but they don't really know the true, like the true consequences that will happen when we don't follow up in God's word. So many times, especially nowadays, we think that it's okay to have sex outside of marriage, but we don't realize the consequences of that. First of all, it ruins our relationship with God. But two, if we don't end up marrying that person, we have a lot of things in our hearts because of that unity. That was like sex was meant to be for marriage. And when we take that outside of marriage, that's where we experience complications. We experience just complications wh whether we end up getting married or even if we don't get married, we still experience like hurt and separateness because that is like when you're having sex, you are being intimate, you're being one, right? Which is why you end up feeling so empty and broken. And the enemy wants us to think that we need it, that we need it. But I'm telling you right now that God's grace is available for you to be able to live a pure life, that you would experience true joy as you fix your eyes on Jesus. And ask the Lord to strengthen you. If you're in a place right now where you're not delighting in God's word, ask God to change your heart, right? Like it's only by the power of God that can actually create a pure heart in you. In fact, Psalm 51:10, David writes, create in me a pure heart. And so understand that you can come to God and ask him to change your heart. The last thing that we want to do is try to talk ourselves out into believing in God's truth. We have to come to a place, guys, that when we choose to follow Jesus or we choose to become a Christian, that we are choosing to believe that we believe in the word of God, right? When we declare ourselves as a Christian, doesn't mean like, okay, like I believe Jesus exists, but I get to do what I want to do. 
Declaring yourself as a believer in Christ is declaring that you believe everything that the word says. And you have to come to a place where you see his goodness. But sometimes it only comes when you actually obey God. When you obey him, you will see his very goodness upon your life. It just takes us obeying and having faith. And then we will see him come through for us. For now, we can look in the Bible and read all the stories of how God was always faithful to his people and his promises. Psalm 119, 99 to 100, it says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. So it shows here that when we, we have more insight as we meditate in God's word, and we have understanding of God's word as we obey his word. And that understanding comes when we obey God, we actually see the reason why God tells us what to do. We gain insight as we meditate on his scriptures. And so really guys, take this time to really ask the Lord to change your heart, to show, to strengthen you and to show you his goodness and that you would continue to walk in a place where you wouldn't give in to temptation, but you would continue to hold God's word true and firm in your life. Lastly, I just wanna talk a little bit about Jesus and Eve. Right, and so um, in Genesis 3, we see here the serpent, Satan, tempting Eve. And then in Matthew 4, we see Satan tempting Jesus. Now, there's something that I want to share with you all that distinguished between the two of them. So when the serpent tried to go to Eve in Genesis 3, Eve's response was, so the serpent comes to her and says, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And Eve replies, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent says, you certainly will not die for God knows that when you eat from it, you will, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And we know afterwards that Eve gave in to the enemy's um, comment, his deceit right there, because the enemy tried to show her like, hey, you're not going to die. In fact, they did die. They spiritually died that moment that Eve ate from that tree. But there you can see that Eve still was tolerating the enemy even though she responded with the word of god she wasn't responding to be like yeah i'm definitely not here to listen to what you have to say she responded with the word of god but still had the attitude of well let me see what the enemy has to say right so the enemy then kept talking and then she fell into temptation rather jesus in matthew 4 we see here that jesus was very firm when responding with the word right the enemy says if you are the son of god tell these stones to become bread Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil tried to tempt him again as he was walking, and it says, The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down. Jesus replied, For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus responded, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And at the end, the devil again tries to tempt him and says, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. All this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left. So the difference between Jesus and Eve was when Jesus was responding with the word of God, he wasn't responding in order to see what the enemy had to say. He was responding to shut the enemy off and to not even consider what he has to say. Right, where Eve was responding, but she still welcomed a conversation with the enemy. Right, so we have to make sure that when we're responding with the word of God, that we're firm, that we're not hesitant, we're not doubting, that we're not saying God's word, but then we want to hear what the enemy has to say. We should not be conversing with the enemy because we already know that he's after to kill, still destroy us. So there's no point of tolerating his thoughts, 
tolerating or having to hear what he has to say, continue to stand firm in God's word. And when you say God's word, it's not meant to just like say it and then consider what the enemy has to say, but you're saying God's word as a way of proclaiming to the enemy, I don't want to listen to what you have to say. I'm choosing to believe in what God says. So let us be like Jesus. Let us respond to the enemy like Jesus, firm, right? Believing in God's goodness and in his law and trusting God and not like Eve who responded with the word of God, but still questioned God, right? She still considered what the enemy had to say. Let us not be considering anything that is contrary to God's word because we know that God's way is best for us. So I really pray that this message will encourage you whatever you're at right now, you know, whatever you're contemplating in your mind, whether it's a sin um, or whether it's something, a decision in your life that you have to make, choose to trust, put your trust in who God is and his faithfulness. So I love to pray for you guys right now. God, I pray, Lord, for those who are listening, God, Lord, that you would just open up their hearts, God, to receive you, Lord, that they would see you rightly, God, that they would, they would see, God, that you are a true and a loving God for them, Lord, that they no longer would doubt your word, but they would come to a place where they choose to build their life on your word, that your word would be their firm foundation on which they stand, God, because your ways are always good, Lord. And God, I don't know right now if some people right now are in a place of even contemplating whether to let go of a relationship or not. I just feel like the Lord is saying, like, if you know that that relationship has been pulling you away from me, then that automatically is a green light to let that go. So God, I just pray, Lord, regardless of whatever it looks like, Lord, or whether it's continuously like, you know, talking to someone where God is saying not to talk to them, or you're continuously in a place where you're wondering if you should be lying. Like all these things, I, I although it may seem like a temporary gratification to us, we have to realize that long-term, it's not gonna be good for us. So I pray, Lord, whatever those who are listening are contemplating their hearts, God, Lord, that they would really come to a place, Lord, of giving their life to you, of saying yes to you, God, giving their full yes to you, knowing, Lord, that your relationship with them, God, is more important than anything else and that you are always for their good, Father. And I pray, Lord, that those who may be in a place where they may see your law as burdensome, God, or as heavy, that you would that you would transform their heart, God, that you would open their eyes to see the wonderful things in your law, that they would start delighting in your word and not seeing it as a burden or something that they have to check mark or do, but they would see this as a delight, God, as a delight to experience true joy and union with you, God, true fellowship with you, God. And Lord, that the blessing would come, Lord, that you bless those who obey you. And Father, you say, Lord, in your word, in John, that if we love you, we would obey your commands, God. So I pray, Lord, that we would show our love to you by obeying you. And that would be such a delight, God, to just love you rightly, God, because you deserve it, God. You gave your son to us. You love us so much. Help us to remember the things that you've done for us, God, Lord, that we wouldn't forsake what you've done, God, for something temporary, Lord, but Lord, that we would come to know you as our Lord and Savior, our everything, God. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I pray that you've been blessed by this. And like I said, you know, take time to ask the Lord to change your heart and understand that God's word is good for you. Take delight in his word and don't tolerate any of the temptations that the enemy has. Don't believe in the lie that you can't live holy or righteous, right? Because you have the Holy Spirit who empowers you to live rightly. So I pray that you've been blessed by this. Please don't forget as well to leave a review and subscribe. As you subscribe and leave a review, it will help us to be able to reach this podcast to more people and share this as well. You never know who needs to hear this. And if you'd like to join our online Bible studies as well, I have one where I lead the women. We um, do this through Skype each um, once a week, every night. So if you'd like to be a part of that, 
you can also email us at info at livingrevelations.com. And if you're a man who is listening, my husband also leads the men's Bible study. So you can also email us and reach out and we can plug you in with that. So I pray that you guys have been blessed by this. I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and are blessed. Check out our blogs at livingrevelations.com and follow Living Revelations on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast to others if you've been blessed. See you all in the next podcast.